joyful we adore thee, God of glory, Lord of love. Hearts unfold like flowers before thee, opening to the sun above, melts the clouds of Thank you for joining us for this program from the 9th Avenue Church of Christ in Haleville, Alabama. We hope that you will subscribe and will share our program with others. Now, we take you to the service of the 9th Avenue Church of Christ. We've been talking about these key words in the book of Ruth, right? Well, the three words that really have driven the entire conversation that we've had, a lot of our lessons, well, all of our lessons have really centered around uh, these three words, uh, the idea of redeemed, or the, really the idea that we've been talking about within the context of the book with the word redeem, is that my relationship or our relationship is too important for me to not do everything that I can to make sure it stays intact, make sure it stays where it needs to be, make sure it stays right, especially if there is some difficulty in it. I want to come in and fix, redeem that relationship. We've talked about the idea of faith and really to some degree, the lack of faith and how a lack of faith really uh, could have led to a lot of the challenges, a lot of the problems that we see in the first uh, kind of section of the book uh, for Naomi and her family. And then last week, we talked about this idea of grace. We talked about the idea of kindness. But we're really going to focus today on this idea of redeem. Redeem really is, I call it a church word. Uh, and that's not really just a church word, it's a biblical word, but it's one of those words that we use a lot and we talk about a lot. And we just assume, I think, uh, as ministers and teachers, that when you use that word or when you read over that word, that you just assume people know what it means. And I, I don't want to assume this morning, I want to give you a definition um, that really is, is maybe in more line of a spiritual way than just a regular definition, but it is to pay the price for making something whole Again, paying a price for making something whole. Again, I think for a lot of us, when we hear the word redeem, I think the first thing as I was sitting down and kind of brainstorming this week that I thought of when I thought or when I thought about this word redeem, my idea went to um, awards uh, rewards programs for for different places. You know, if you go to Gorge, you can punch in your number and. And, and get points built up, and eventually you get to redeem those points, right, for different things. How many of you remember green stamps? How many of you remember green stamps? That's definitely a generational hand raise right there, right? Uh, green stamps was kind of one of the very first kind of reward or redeem programs. You would, you would get these stamps from the grocery store, different places you would buy things, and eventually you could turn them in and redeem them for... Um, for different, different items, different things. Uh, the gr uh, green stamps, I guess, kind of gave way. How many of you, maybe this is, a, you're, we're getting a little bit younger generation now, all the rewards programs that would give you the tags that would go on your key rings. How many of you have ever had more tags on your key rings than actual keys on your key rings? Some of you now, it's just put in your telephone number, right? But the whole idea is you do this, you do this, and you get to redeem or you get to buy something for what you've, uh, the effort that you've kind of put into it. But the, the, the spiritual idea of redeem is not I'm going to do something to earn it, okay? I'm not going to spend this much and then I can redeem or pay in my points. It's the idea that there is a problem that I have, all right? A problem that I have and someone else is going to come in <coughs> and do what they can to make that problem whole in my life. They're going to pay the price for my problems and my shortcomings. 
And if you think about Jesus and you think about God, that is one of the things that he that they claim over and over that I am, that I am a redeemer. I am going to redeem you. There are a little over 60 different titles that God holds throughout Scripture. And maybe for us as Christians, one of the most important, they're all important, but maybe one of the most important for us is the title Redeemer. Or, or, or redeem. It's all the way Old Testament through New Testament. Exodus 6, verse 6. Uh, Say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you uh, out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with a great acts uh, and with great acts of judgment. He's going to redeem, he's going to fix, he's going to make whole that relationship again. Isaiah 41, 14, as he is looking into the future of the people of God, he says, Do not be afraid, you worm of Jacob. Uh, little Israel, do not fear, for I will help you, declares the Lord, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. First Peter 1, 18-19 For you know that it is not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed, or that you were bought, or that you were purchased from the empty ways of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ a lamb without blemish or defect. How do we really tie in or, or plug into the redemption of Jesus? It is through his blood. And we'll, we'll touch on that more a little bit later. But as we think about our passage today, if we think about our story, we're going to see here that the idea that we see, especially through Boaz uh, in chapter 3, is Boaz is going to do what he can do to redeem or pay the price to make Ruth and Naomi's life whole again. Go with me to Ruth chapter 3, and we'll read it together. Excuse me, I'm still battling this cough up here this morning, so just be patient with me as we, as we go through here. On the day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, said to her, my daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. So, so Naomi's worried about something, right? What's Naomi worried about? She's worried. She's not really worried about herself, but she's worried about Ruth and Ruth's future. And I think that tied into that, we're going to see that Naomi's future is, is part of that as well. Um, but as we, uh, as we go on through this, you'll see. Um, Nathan, if you don't mind, plug through, um, ex, uh, go through this with me as I just read from, from my Bible here. Now Boaz with, uh, with, let's see. Now Boaz, with whose women you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be uh, winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume, and get dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but do not let him know that you were there until he has finished eating or drinking. All right, so what, what's going on in this particular passage here? Well, let's, let's kind of get back into the culture a little bit and understand what's happening. So they have had, we're at the end of harvest. We've gotten all the barley, all the grain, all the different things. We have gotten all the grain heads off of the barley, and we are in the part to where we are trying to separate the, the, the barley from all the other things. So what they would do is they'd go to a flat surface, lay out, um, lay out sheets and, and, and different things, and they would pick it up. Uh, a lot of times they would use some type of shovel or, or, or pick, 
Uh, in this particular picture, it, it's, a, it's a bucket of some sort, and they would throw it up in the air, and all the grain would fall, but everything else would blow away. And so you've got all of your harvest in this one spot, right? All your harvest in this one spot. And so a lot of times the men would just stay because if you got all your harvest in one spot, you don't want anybody to come take it, steal it. So all the men are staying. And a lot of times they would take the stalks from the grain or the barley or whatever it was, and they would build little shacks or, or little rooms for them to sleep in. And so he's out here doing this. He's out here and they're having supper. And Naomi's like, I realize what's going on here. She says, now you go while they're doing this, kind of ease in, kind of ease in and and... Let him know you're available. Let him know not only that you're available, but that we need your help. And, and that, that's kind of part of the story that's going on right here. So that kind of puts us, I mean, this, is, this is really kind of something different for us, something that looks kind of foreign to us a little bit, but this is all normal and, and within culture. Verse four, when he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go, and uncover his feet and lie down, he will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz had finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went over to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. When Ruth approached quietly and covered his feet and lay down, in the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman laying at his feet. I think that would startle a lot of people. Uh, if you were asleep and just realized someone's just laying down there at your feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth. She said, spread the corner of your garment over me, since you are my guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater uh, this kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You have not run after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of noble character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related. Stay here for the night and in the morning. If he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good. Let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until the morning. So you've got this moment. They're trying to figure out how are we going to take care of ourselves. They realize Boaz is their guardian redeemer. Remember, we talked last week that basically this means he's just kind of the next of kin. He's the guy that's responsible. One of the things that you see through Scripture, and I think that this is a difference in our world and their world, is when it comes to problems and issues and challenges in life, it was truly the family's responsibility to take care of each other. I mean, it was there, there's no social security, there's no welfare system, there's, there's nothing in place to take care of people that are really in need. And so God's law, God himself provided for those things to make sure everybody was taken care of, rich or poor, if you had, if you didn't, God made sure that you were taken care of through his law. And this is one of those moments. So Boaz realizes that it is my job to redeem their life, to redeem their lineage, to redeem the things that are going on. And he says, but there's one more closer. Let's see if he goes, if he's going to do it first. But he says, if not, I will step up. 
I will take care of this. I will do what the Lord asks. Verse 14, so she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could recognize or could be recognized. And he said, no one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, bring me the shawl um, you're uh, wearing and hold it out. When she did, he poured six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, how did it go, my daughter? Then she told him her everything Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me six measures of barley saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. So that's our story, right? That, that, that's our story. And, and I think the question that I, I think about when I read this is, number one, it, it is a foreign concept. The, the whole story of Ruth is literally in a foreign world to us. So how do we connect to it? How do, how do we make some real realizations um, about it in our own lives? And I think it really does come back to the word redeem. It comes back to the idea that Boaz realized that my job, my job is to redeem or restore these individuals. They have a life that is not complete. They have a life that has a huge, huge hole in it. And it is my job to make sure that I pay the price to make it whole again. So I want you to think about your own life this morning. Think about the things that you may struggle with, the things that go on in your own world. And the reality is that there are just times in our life where we struggle. And our greatest struggle in life revolves really around one word, and that is the word sin. That is the word sin. If anybody says they do not struggle with sin, then they lie, right? Scripture says that if you say that you don't sin, then, then you are a liar, which means you are a what? You are a sinner. And if we're not careful, a lot of times in our life that sin on top of just regular challenges just, just kind of creeps in and creates a big knot and a big web in our life that we try to maybe undo ourselves, but we're really not capable of. And that is where the idea of Jesus, our Redeemer, I think really comes into play. That Jesus is that Redeemer for us. His job, His goal, His purpose as Christ was to pay a price for our sin. To buy us back. So as you think about that idea, think about these things with me very quickly. How to be redeemed. How do I live a redeemed life? Well, the first thing is understand the cost of sin. Understand the cost of sin. I think the world wants you to think that sin is fun that sin is enjoyable, and sin is enjoyable. Sin is fun. If it wasn't, it wouldn't be a temptation, right? It, it wouldn't be something we wanted to do, but we have to understand that with that, there is a cost. Paul says it this way. He says, for the wages of sin is what? Death. The cost of your sin. What, what you give for your sin is your life. And you think about that for a minute. I mean, death is a very, very strong word, isn't it? Death is a very, very strong word. And I don't think that it just necessarily means that death will cause you to die or sin will cause you to die, although sin can cause you to die. But I think this is death in a spiritual sense of being disconnected, that I don't have life with God. I am disconnected from God. And ultimately, that is going to live, they're going to lead me to an eternity separated from God. But it also means, I think, death 
It can mean death to relationships. It can mean death to family relationships, to job relationships, to opportunities. Sin gets in the way of everything. Even when you think you've got it under control, even when you think you've got it managed, sin always costs you something. It always costs you something. And he says the cost of it is death. And I think that's something to take serious. But he goes on, he says, but the gift of God is what? What's the next two few words? Eternal life in, finish it, Christ Jesus our Lord. So that leads me to the next idea here, is how to be redeemed. We have to live a life in Christ Jesus. That's got to be where we are. That's got to be where we grounded. we're grounded. He says, hey, the, the wages of sin, it's, it's going to cost you. But God has come in. He has redeemed you. He has given his son so that you can have eternal life. But it's only found in Jesus our Lord. So how do we find that? Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 4. Just backing up a few verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? He's like, look, you've gotten out of this. Don't, don't make this your life. Or he says, or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead to the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. How do we get out of death and into life with Jesus? What does he say in verse 3? He says, or don't you know that all of us who were what? Baptized into Christ were baptized into his death. We are baptized for one reason, to be in Jesus. To plant our life in Jesus. That is what our baptism does. It plants it solely in into his death, his burial, his resurrection. It puts us in Jesus. Scripture goes on and says it does other things as well. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 21 and 22, and he says, And this water symbolizes baptism that now what? Saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body, but the pledge of a clear conscience towards God. It saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at God's right hand with angels, authorities, and powers in submission to him. So not only does it put us squarely in Jesus, our baptism puts us squarely in Jesus, it also offers us salvation. And not by anything that we do, but through the power of what? The resurrection of Jesus. See, it's, it's really all about him, isn't it? It's all about him. So we live life in Christ Jesus and then the last thing that I want to give you this morning very quickly is that once I understand the cost of sin and I take it serious and realize I need forgiveness of this, I need to be in Jesus, and I'm in that spot, that's not enough. Then I have to live as a redeemer. I have to help redeem other people. I have to live in a way that brings people to Jesus so that he can do his thing for them in their life just as he's done for us. But how do we accomplish that? Philippians 2 verses 3 through 4, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. <coughs> Rather in humility, value others above yourself. That's a redeeming quality right there. 
valuing others, saying that your life is more important than mine and I'm going to make sure that I do everything I can for you because I feel this way above you. I'm putting you above me, not looking at your own interest, but, uh, but each of you to the interest of the others. And I love this formula. I love this formula because we cannot come in here and go, I'm going to make sure I'm taken care of. Because if everybody comes into this room and says, I'm going to make sure I'm taken care of, who gets taken care of? Who gets taken care of? Nobody. But if we all walk in this room and go, I'm going to make sure that everybody else is taken care of before I am, who gets taken care of? Everybody. Say it. Who gets taken care of? Everybody, including who? Yourself. And if everybody is taking care of you, you're getting taken care of a lot better than you could take care of yourself. Because a lot of times when I try to take care of myself, I just really create more problems for myself than when I started out. But if we have this redeem mentality, I'm going to be your redeemer. I'm going to come in and say, listen, I, it's not about me today. I'm not going to worry about me. I'm not going to worry about myself, my problems, my challenges. I'm just going to come in and do everything I can to take care of you. And if you do that, then we all get taken care of. And I think that's such a great quality. And when the world sees us being that way, they're going to want to be taken care of as well. And they're going to want to be a part of who we are. Paul sums it up this way, Romans 12, verse 18. If it is possible, as far as it what? Depends on you. That is a phrase that I think scares the world to death because everything's, whose fault is everything right now? Is anything your fault in our world today? Riley, anything your fault according to the world? Not according to the world, right? Whose fault is it? Riley's like, it ain't never my fault. Whose fault is it? Everybody else's. If Riley has a problem, it's your fault. It's your fault. Riley didn't show up to work on time today. That's your fault. Riley's in charge. He's boss. They didn't make quota today. Whose fault is that? It's not Riley's. It's everybody else's fault. You know, nothing's your fault anymore. What does Paul say? As far as it depends on who, you live at peace with everyone. I think that we read and we talk about that verse a lot. But I also think that we're afraid to really live it. I think we go to a certain place with it and go, man, I think, I think, I think I've done everything. I think I've done everything that I can. But the truth is, when you think you've done everything you can, is there usually something else you can do? Yeah. There's usually something else you can do. I don't think that this is, well, listen, I've done everything I can, and they're not doing what I want them to do. So, no, I think is you just keep loving. You keep loving. You keep loving. Even when you think you have nothing more to give, you can give more love. You can give more grace. You can give more mercy. You can live this redeeming lifestyle. So make it about you. Don't Make it about you taking care of other people. And then you will be taken care of as well. But live at peace as far as it depends on you. Redeeming is an interesting subject. It's an interesting topic. Like I said, I think it's a, it's, it's a phrase or a word that we're used to hearing. but don't really understand the true significance. The true significance that Jesus says, you are worth everything to me. And you're living in sin. And I want to come buy you out of that. So 
that you're no longer in bondage. So it no longer holds you back so that you can live free and you can live blessed and you can live in grace and mercy and then show that to other, to other people so that they can live that way as well. That's why Ruth chapter 3 really is about. Let's close with a word of prayer. God, I thank you for the chance to be together. I thank you for all that you do for us, the grace that you show us. We thank you for being our redeemer. Bless us as we bring this study to a close. Be with those that have heard it. Convict them and prick their hearts, God, if changes need to be made in their life. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Thou art giving and forgiving, ever blessing, ever blessed. Thank you again for joining us. And please consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or our podcast. We can be found on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast provider. Also, leave us a five-star review, which will greatly assist in getting the message of God's love and salvation to others. You can also follow us on Facebook. Instagram. And Twitter. Be sure to join us again. And until then, remember to love like Jesus.